not to sign personally on loans and not to use your own cash until such time you have a reservoir to go to to use your own cash. Before we get into today's episode, are you a fix and flipper who needs some money? Do you need to maybe do more deals and you're limited by the funds you have available? Well then, Fund That Flip, today's best ever sponsor, has a solution for you. And you know Fund That Flip, right? Your loyal best ever listener, the founder, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show multiple times and they have been a previous sponsor and they love working with the best ever listeners and they provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy and you can get funded in as few as seven days. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com and mention that, well, you heard about it on the Best Ever Show. Best Ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Chris Prefontaine, how you doing, Chris? I'm terrific. Thanks, Joe. Well, nice to have you on the show, my friend. A little bit about Chris. He is the founder of Pre-Property Solutions, which is a real estate investment firm. He buys between four to 10 properties a month, and a large percentage of those are done via lease options. He has over 25 years of experience. He's a real estate entrepreneur and mentor, and he's based in Newport, Rhode Island. So with that being said, Chris, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Absolutely. And if you want me to expand, just let me know. I'm going to date myself here, Joe, but I go back to about 1991 as far as real estate goes. Started off with doing some spot building with single family homes, doing that by locating lots during that rotten real estate market back then and actually putting up homes using other people's money, even the vendors who built the home. I transitioned from that after building a few hundred homes, bought a realty executives franchise in 95 and then ultimately sold that business in 2000 to Cobalt Banker. And that kind of took me into the coaching world and my own deals. And that ultimately led to the lovely 2008 debacle that I had a, <laughs> such a fun time going through, uh, as I'm sure other listeners have. And then in 2000, because of that, in 2012 or 13-ish, we started buying only on terms. You alluded to lease purchase. We also do owner financing, obviously. So those are our, our primary ways, and that's kind of my shortened 10,000-foot view, anyway, of the path I took to get here. Uh-huh. You only buy on terms now, which is owner financing and lease options, right? Yes, absolutely. And you're doing four to 10 properties a month? Yeah, we do four or five a month right here in New England with my son-in-law, Zach, my son, Nick, and my daughter, Kayla. They actually run that buying and selling piece of our business now, like 95 to 99%. I mean, they run it. I've kind of trained them over the last year or so to run it. And the other five or plus more come from around the country with the different joint venture partners we team up with. And we are literally partners. We're not just coaching. We're partners in the deal. So total, it approaches 10 to a dozen some months uh, around the country. Wow. And how do you structure a partnership like that with someone? We call them joint venture partners around the country, provided that we're a fit for each other, not just them to us. Then we have different levels they can come in on with Smart Real Estate Coach. And depending on what level they come in at from a mentoring and involvement issue, then they will have a split. Generally speaking, it's a 50-50 split. Some of the higher level partners have as high as an 80% split to them. Mm -hmm. And so what does partnering mean? It means we're on the phone, Joe, with 
their sellers with them. We're doing the follow-up with them. We're making offers with them. We're literally in the trenches doing deals with them. Let's focus on the ones that you and your family are doing, the four to five in New England a month. So you're finding four to five properties a month or owners rather who are willing and ready to do either a lease option or owner financing. Yeah, we generate around, our goal is 120. We're usually at or slightly above that as far as leads in a given month. And out of that, we're coming to contract on, yes, four or five average. Wow. How do you get 120 leads? We do a couple things. We have uh, virtual assistants, one in particular who's been with me four years now. He's done nothing but calling for 22 years, believe it or not, Joe. You can appreciate that. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a few years on the phone. So he's yeah. good. He grabs a lot of the for sale by owner leads after sifting through them to get rid of the junk. And then where does he find the leads? Is it just like for sale by owner.com or Craigslist? Yeah. Or? He sources them a bunch of places. We use a lead service on our resource section. It's free, but it's a, a company called My Plus Leads. And a lot of the Fizzbos will come from that. Craigslist. We have field agents that go around and look for signs only that aren't also online, and they'll feed those to the VA. And so the FISBO market is kind of his world. And then we'll go after a lot of the expireds as well. We have a pretty much an automated system in-house to go after the expired listings. Mm. You said you have field agents that look for signs, the bandit signs. So that's another layer of lead generation. Who are these field agents and how are they compensated? We run gigs online. My son-in-law does. So he's looking for people that don't mind or are already in a position where they're driving around. Might be a traveling salesperson or just someone that does a lot of driving. And we compensate them $10 per valid lead that they send in. They have rules. They know what valid is. Valid is they can't have it just someone that's online. It's got to be a sign only. Valid is it's not a duplicate. We don't already have it. And if all those pass, then they get every Friday, we do PayPal and all the field agents get $10 per lead. We have one girl in particular who gets up to 10 or 15 of those per week around <laughs> New England, just delivers science. Pretty cool. That's outstanding. How is that advertised or where is that advertised? I know you're not the one doing this. Sounds like your son is, but is that just a Craigslist posting or what? Yeah, we just run free gigs, free postings on Craigslist under gigs. We're looking for those type of people. And, you know, you're running it on Craigslist and there's no contract or anything you have to tie to. So you do lose some, but every now and then, like every four or five people that come forward, you'll get one that sticks, like this woman that's driving around for us now and doing a great job. This is great stuff. All right, so let's talk about this VA. 22 years of experience doing calls. You've been working with him for four years. What would you say separates him from others that you've seen doing what he does? Oh, man, I burned through, without exaggeration, by myself, before my kids took over, I burned through three or four VAs and was so frustrated. I was ready to throw in the towel and say, forget it, I'll do it myself or I'll find someone here. This guy that I finally stumbled upon is, the short answer is he's scripted and very, very comfortable and therefore sounding confident, as you can imagine in any real estate conversation. So that's the big difference. How did you find him? And I don't want you to give up the source because I don't want to rock the boat, but just in general, how did you come across him? I actually went through, as I said, three or four different VAs with a couple of different companies and stumbled upon him. And once I did, I literally, from the next month on, kept dropping seeds that, look, I want you to come with us. At any point you're dissatisfied with who you are, come with us. And 
we're now four years with him. So about three years ago, one year into our relationship, he did come on board. So what's really cool is the joint venture partners we were talking about earlier, you and I, they have access to him. So out of our 21 partners or so, I think 17 or 18 have him on the phone. So it's pretty cool that they all have access to him like I do. Wow. So for someone, a best ever listener who is listening and they're like, I want a high quality VA, where would you recommend going? Well, they can go to our site and they'll see we have two or three different recommendations on the site. But if they decide that, hey, that JV thing is something I want to delve deeper into or jump in with both feet, they'd have access to our own VAs. So for someone who's not in the lease option space, maybe they're storage units or in my case, multifamily, but I want to find a good VA, what's a good website or company to go to? You know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to remember the newest one we got, Joe, that actually trains them for hours in the real estate world before they put them to work for you and they find a fit. It's quite a unique concept. They do charge like a thousand bucks up front to do that. And I like it. We started hiring them. My daughter's on vacation and I can't even yell out and get that answer for you. I, I apologize. I, I want the best ever listeners to get it though. You know, so if they want to message you or message me, I will get that for you. Okay. Well, is that on your website or is that not that? that it should be on the website. And if it's not, by the time we hang up, it will be. Oh, sweet, sure it sweet, sweet. And where on the website? Because I'm on your website right now. Where will it be? They would go under resources. Oh, resources, virtual assistance. Got it. Well, 120 leads a month, getting five deals. What's a deal look like? How is it structured? And maybe do a lease option and then do an owner financing. And just ideally, if you have a specific example for each of those, that would be best. I can look at my desk and then I'll think of the numbers for that particular deal as literally a deal we're doing right now. So there is a lease purchase deal. So I'll talk generically, then I'll actually give numbers to it. There's a lease purchase deal in New England that we just recently did. We tied it up. I'm going to give you a round numbers, Joe, just to have the listeners drive home the point. So we tied it up for the balance on their mortgage plus 30 grand cash. The balance on the mortgage for the seller was around 300,000. The cash we agreed to give them in addition to the balance on the mortgage was around 30,000. So call it 330 all in. There's a caveat to that mortgage balance that, that I'll hit, but just on the surface going into the deal, I'm looking at 30 cash and 300 mortgage. I went to market at 439.9. We procured a buyer at that number. My monthly mortgage payment on that 300 is going to run around 16, 1700. I went to market at 2400. So you can see already the spread in the price, the spread in the monthly are both great. Those are two paydays. But the other payday that's built in there is when we talk to a seller and we say, great, your mortgage is 300. We're going to give you 30 grand cash also. When does that take place? It doesn't take place till at the end of the term, which for us is typically 36 months. At the end of that 36 months, we're going to, at the closing, give them 30 grand, but pay off the mortgage that three years ago was 300 and now is some number less. So there's built in principal pay down that accrues to us as well. So there's actually three paydays for every lease purchase deal, if that makes sense. All right. So you're making money on the spread with the mortgage versus what you're doing the lease option for. And then explain the 30K part where you're paying it at the end again. Yes. When I talk to a seller, it's either one or two things, typically to be generic here. Let's say you're my seller. You have a mortgage and that's about what you've settled with me that that's going to be your total thing. We're taking care of your mortgage for you. We're paying your monthly payment and at the end, we're going to pay it off. Or 
in the example I gave you, we came to terms, you and I, and we said, look, the house is worth more than I owe. Let's call it 330, Chris. So you got to take care of my mortgage at 300, but I also want 30 grand at the end of your lease purchase contract. So that's where we come up with the extra cash. If they have equity and if they do any at the end, we'll give it to them at the end of the lease purchase term when our buyer's cashing us out. And what if your buyer doesn't cash you out? Great question. Probably the biggest question from sellers, buyers, and clients. So here's what we do. If I structure with you a 36-month term, I'm going to go and get my buyer's pre-screen with my credit enhancement company out of Pennsylvania that is going to give me a term that I can live with with some risk factor built in, meaning they'll tell me a couple different brackets. They'll say, Chris, I spoke to your buyer, and they're going to be cashed out mortgage-ready between 9 and 12 months, 12 to 18, or 18 to 24. I won't take anything longer than that because that to me sounds like a major headache and that gives me no buffer because I already told my seller on or before 36 months. Now, that's going in the door. That doesn't mean they can't screw it up as they go along and life happens. So what do we do? We require them to be in the credit enhancement program. It is part of their rent-to-own agreement with us. So at any one point, if they fall off of that program, I'm notified and we go right to them and say, look, not only are you in default, but we're not going to get you to the finish line here and we get them back on a program. If by chance, and this happens, I'm not going to tell you it never happens, once or twice a year out of 40 or 50 deals, we'll have some of that had a life event. They not only fell off the wagon, but they can't get back on or they had to go out of state or they had a death in the family or a divorce. These things have all happened to us. So what do we do? We have that 36 month buffer built in. We immediately go back to market. We find a buyer that can go ahead and get that done inside of that tight time frame, 12 or 18 or whatever's left in that period with the seller. So that's critical. And, I, and let me just say this, Joe, this is so important. I have so many people that call me and they say, look, I've looked into this lease purchase stuff online and all these investors care about is putting these buyers in and they're not getting them to cash out. I'll tell you that we have about a 98, maybe a touch higher percent cash out rate. Why? Because we're obnoxious at the beginning with pre-qualifying these people and make sure they understand they're buyers not some glorified renter slapping a deposit down only to walk away later. I don't want to know about that. I want to get these people to the finish line and move on so we have happy people on both ends. What's your long-term approach since you're recycling properties? In this model, you're not keeping them. On our property list, let's call it. I call it my wealth management list. But as we've got about 62 properties today, if I took a snapshot that are waiting to be cashed out. So every year, there'll be X amount coming on and X amount being cashed out. Now, some of the techniques I use go like this. So let's say you're a seller and I have you in a sandwich lease, I call it. And I have about a year after a sandwich lease, I'll call the owner up, especially if they do cash in a couple of years, like the 30 grand example. And I'll say, look, Joe, I know you got 30 grand coming out in a couple of years. If I was able to put some cash together for you, are you in a position where you can discount it to get your cash today? And I'll go ahead and take the deed to the property, give them a discounted cash amount, and then I'll have no end term on that home and therefore less pressure on my buyer. And so those tend to be a little bit longer term because I don't have my foot on the buyer's back, pushing, pushing, pushing. I'm just letting them be in the home until such time they're mortgage ready. So some of these do get termed out. But right now, out of those 60 some odd properties in our inventory, I've got about a 2.7 million in cash outs. So if I stop today, over the next three to five years, I'll have about two point something million in cash outs. Of course, we don't stop. But if we did, it's not a bad little snapshot. It's not a 15-year snapshot. It's a two to five-year snapshot, if that makes sense. And then are you buying things 
for long term as buy and hold for 30 plus years or is this the model and you're sticking to it? This is the model, but there's caveats and exceptions. So I have three properties in our inventory right now that are nine-year lease purchase terms with the seller. Well, how the heck did they do that or why would they do that? These are sellers that two or three years ago, I'll give you an exact example. I had a woman that was referred to me from Washington, D.C. Her credit was fine. She was paying a mortgage fine. She just no longer wanted to come back to the snow in New England and deal with a property or have a tenant in it and worry about it. But at the time, two or three years ago, she owed about what the mortgage was by the time she would get done with a realtor and closing costs, et cetera. So I said to her, I need time for the market to come up and time for your mortgage principal to come down. So I will go ahead and buy your house on a lease purchase. The term will be on it before nine years. And I will, in the meantime, keep everything current. You won't worry about if I lose my buyer or not. I'm handling it. You'll get your payoff of your mortgage on it before nine years but you get no cash out of it. And she just wanted that relief and that mortgage relief and to keep her credit good. So I'm still in that. I'm into that house for about three and a half years now, and that's a longer term deal. Other times we'll look for and buy on terms, multi-units. We have a four and a six now in our inventory. So regardless of the term we structure on those, we will either sell it before the term comes up or refinance it conventionally, which is odd for us to do. But if we really love the property, we'll keep it long term like that. And what about now an owner financing example? So the owner financing deals are, I tell my clients, home runs, because when I structure an owner financing, I'll give you an exact example, my most recent one I can remember. We did a deal that was a small home, 189000 on the open market. They couldn't sell it with a realtor. They were moving out of state. They remembered me from another property they had that they did not want to do terms on. And they called and said, look, this is a Friday you get a kick out of this. And they said, I'm leaving Monday to South Carolina. Can you come this weekend? We want to do that owner financing thing. The last property he had to unload, he didn't really care about it and he owed zero on it. The owner financing deals are typically when they owe zero in my world anyway. So I went in and I said, look, if you sold it with a realtor, at best, you're going to get somewhere in the low 180s. I'll give you 183 owner financing. Remember, he was on the market for 189, but prior to that, higher. So 183 owner financing, I'll pay you $925 a month and I want a 48-month term. So at the end of the 48 months, I either balloon him out with cashing out my buyer or I refinance it and keep it for longer term. But the point is, for 48 months, I got $925 coming down off the principal. So if the market mm-hmm. even dove on me, I got 48 grand there or whatever that number is. I went out and sold that for two thirty nine nine for fifteen fifty a month, plus they pay all taxes. So I've got a nice monthly spread. I've got a great principal pay down and I've got a spread on my price. Say those numbers again. You sold it for two forty. Yeah, bought it for one eighty three. Yep. How much a month? Fifteen fifty. Wow, okay. So six hundred bucks or whatever yeah. it is in monthly spread, plus the principal pay down, which is what makes that whole deal. So that deal, if you do the math, it's over hundred grand. It's probably uh one ten to one twenty. All of the owner financing deals, if you stretch them out forty eight months, which we do you're talking a six-figure payday no matter what, as long as you have that full principal, and they don't argue with it. And explain that before you say how much you put down. Explain the full principal. So you mean that your payments, the 925 to the owner, pays down the principal amount, so the 183 Absolutely. Okay, got it. And so you're counting when they actually exercise their option, that 920 the 183 times that by 48 months that amount is minus 183 and that's what you'll eventually owe. Yeah, so picture I sold for 240, I'm going to owe the owner probably 145, 148 or whatever that is. 
there's a nice spread there at the end. And how much did you put down? We actually put down nine and a quarter. We put down one month <laughs> on that deal. $925. Yeah, that's what we put down on that one. Wow. Did they ask, what is the interest rate? Some people do. And my answer to them is, I can pay you interest if you want to mess with calculating the reporting of the income every year and all that. But how about if I just pay you the right price right up front and you don't have to worry about reporting any interest income? It's all principal, to which they usually agree. What document do you use to put this all together? Great question. I have taken our attorney who's local here. We've got one in different states, but our main attorney is here in Rhode Island and he has customized a purchase and sale agreement for us to either do subject to properties with existing debt in place and still taking the deed. Owner financing, either one of those are handled by this custom agreement. So it's literally a fill in the blank and very self-explanatory for the seller and very protective of us, obviously. And then we go to a conventional closing with a HUD statement. Okay. What's the way to convince a seller to do owner financing? Usually it's price, Joe. For example, we did a 10-acre estate in Pennsylvania recently. This place was gorgeous. It is gorgeous. And he couldn't sell it, and he's ready to go to Texas in last November before Thanksgiving to be with his five kids. Well, there's some motivation there. And I said to him, Randy, look, you've been trying to sell this thing forever for 450 and you didn't sell it, and you were going to pay a realtor. I will give you the 450 if you give me the term of 48 months and the principal payments monthly. I'll give you your price you're looking for. So there's nothing to convince. What I'm always telling my JV clients and my kids is you're not here to convince. You're here to just offer them a solution if, in fact, they are looking for one. The only person we can't help is someone that needs cash today to go buy something else. Well, then I don't have a solution. But every other person we can have a solution for, and there is no convincing as long as we know what that pain is for them and if we can fix it. Let's go with that example, the 10-acre estate. What do you do in that scenario? Okay, so this gentleman said to us, and I'll be real close on my dates. It was probably last September or October, and he said, by Thanksgiving, I want to be gone. My kids are there, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay. Very scary for my new partner in Pennsylvania, but I said, Don, we're going to go ahead and do this, and we'll close this thing by December 1 for this guy. And he said, but what if we don't get a buyer? I said, look, don't worry about it. We have plenty of time because I knew that the price we were offering this guy per month of 1500 in monthly principal payments was very low for a $450,000 home. So we put it on the market in our rent-to-own program, and we did pop it by around November 1. We had a nice, strong, qualified buyer in there with about sixty grand down up front, non-refundable. So we were able to sit with that buyer, close them, meaning on a lease purchase, and put their money at my attorney's, and then simultaneously turn around and close on the actual purchase of this property. We do pay up front, Joe, and we're not giving any money. We're actually going to pay their transfer tax and anything up front because we can't expect them to come out of pocket to close. So we don't put a down payment, but we do pay their transfer tax if it does apply in that state. So in that scenario, you've got to find someone who will pay the price that you have it under contract for. And if you don't, then since there's that principal pay down, you have to just watch the principal pay down and just time it so that they're closing later and you have some principal pay down that lowers your eventual purchase price to cover up the difference. That's one option, the way you just described it exactly. The other two options are, if you think about it, the other one is in our purchase and sales agreement, there's an option to check off a box that makes the entire agreement contingent upon you finding a buyer. We didn't do that with this house, but with the partners are new, a lot of times I'll say, just make it contingent upon the buyer. If they can live with that, great. If they can't, it's okay. We usually give ourselves a 90-day window to find the buyer. And if we don't, okay, no hard feelings. Everybody goes their way. Or worst case, 
you commit to closing right away and things blow up and you don't close it. Well, you lose your deposit, which is about a hundred bucks. That's worst case. Now we haven't had to go that route, but that's your worst case. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best advice ever would be not to sign personally on loans and not to use your own cash until such time you have a reservoir to go to, to use your own cash. I made the big mistake in 08, probably to 08, but it came to a head in 08, of signing on about, oh, I don't know, 30 loans or so because my credit was good and because I could and because money was easy. Well, big boo-boo. So when things hit the fan, it took me three and a half years to dig out of that mess. Ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, let's roll. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about, do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellynn.com forward slash show. Best ever book you've read? McDonald's, Hunt of the Gold Matches. Best ever deal you've done? Owner financing, the, the deal I told you from the guy going to Texas. By far the best deal. A mistake you've made on a transaction? <laughs> Signing personally on a loan. What is the best ever way you'd like to give back? We had an experience with my son having a head injury, going into a coma after a snowboard accident, and we give a piece of every single deal we do to Franciscan Children's Hospital after that, and uh, we love doing that. Great energy. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you, Chris? They can go to smartrealestatecoach.com, or they can simply email us, support at smartrealestatecoach.com. I tell you, Chris, this was a conversation that fed me the real estate knowledge I was looking for this morning, and I'm very grateful that you're actively doing it. You've got a system. You're very intentional about the two types of deals that you do, and you got into the specifics. Thank you for walking us through the lease option purchase deal, the owner financing approach, how to navigate both of those should a couple different scenarios come up. I loved our conversation. Very grateful for it. Hope you have a best ever day, Chris, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn.com forward slash show.